So Mark chapter 16. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll the stone from, from, for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. <coughs> when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Then briefly, they reported all this to Peter and his companions. Afterward, Jesus himself sent them out from east to west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. Amen. That's just an extra little bit. Let's keep going. Verse 9. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Afterward, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. They rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them. Still later, he appeared to the eleven disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptised will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new, tongue, uh, new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honour at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the women. I don't know if you've ever been this... Actually, I do. I know, I know some of you. <laughs> Isn't it easy to focus on what I am not, what I don't have, what I used to be? Isn't it easy to focus on what I used to have and... Isn't it easy to focus on what seems lost now? It's easy. It's easy to focus on that. There can be places in our life that have the same ambience as a funeral because it feels dead. The situation 
seems dead. The relationship feels dead. The business plans look dead. Your hopes and dreams maybe look dead. The plans for the future appear to be dead. Maybe they looked good last week. Maybe even they looked alive. But now it just seems maybe like they're dead. And it's time to plan for a funeral. Anyone got hopes and dreams in the building? I mean, hopes and dreams are things that you can't just go, look, there it is. They're in here, they're in here. And sometimes it's easy to go, you know what? I might just put that, I might just put that in a coffin and bury it. You know, it's dead. The women walk to the tomb with this in their hearts every step of the way. They say things like, we thought, dot, dot, dot. He said, dot, dot, dot. Maybe we're just wrong about this. At the tomb, they get the shock of a life. They get surprised. Not just that there's an angel speaking to them, which would obviously shock you, but that the body that they have expected to be there to anoint with precious balms and oils for burial, it's missing. Jesus has crashed his own funeral by not showing up. Everyone else is there. Everyone else is expecting a dead thing. But he's been ruining funerals for the past few years and they obviously didn't quite catch on to that. The widow of Nain, she had a son, her only one, and uh, he died and they were carrying him out of the town on a mat. He was dead and Jesus said, no way, this isn't a funeral, this is a party. Whammo. The man comes back to life again. He, he gets the news that Lazarus, his good friend Lazarus, you know Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother that lives in Jericho, he's sick. He's really, really sick and they call Jesus to come and heal him. Jesus doesn't turn up. Lazarus dies, seems dead, lost opportunity. Let's prepare for a funeral. In fact, that's what they did. And they put Lazarus's body in a tomb, dead, buried, forgotten. Jesus turns up, talks to Mary and Martha and says, you know what? Not only am I going to resurrect him, I am the resurrection. That's what Jesus says. He's been ruining funerals for the, for the last few years and, and now he's topped it off by ruining his own funeral. And the women walk in and the angel speaks to them. Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will soon see him there, just as he told you before he died. They are the words spoken from the tomb by an angel who's declaring the truth from the heart of God. That's what angels do. They declare what, what the Lord's saying. The only thing inside that tomb that's alive is an angel. And the tomb still has an echo. We might put up the, thank you, my love. The tomb has an echo. They walk in and all they can hear is the angel's voice reverberating off the walls. Don't be alarmed. There are no dead things in the kingdom of God. There are no dead things in the kingdom of God. 
Do you believe that, Christian person? There are no dead things in the kingdom of God. No dead things. The angel says, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He's not here. Why would he be here? This is a place set aside for dead things. Why would Jesus be in here? They say, you are looking for Jesus, and I love this, from Nazareth. We get all excited as Christians because, like, Easter is proof that we can say Jesus is Lord, right? He is the Lord. He is God. He's risen from the grave. He's proved that everything he said was right, and he is the Lord. But the angel who speaks on behalf of God says, Jesus that rose again is human. He's from Nazareth. Remember? Jesus grew up in Nazareth. He was 30 years old. And he got baptized by the Holy Spirit at the River Jordan, and his ministry began. He made, made disciples, and, and his ministry began. And, and then he died on the cross, and he was buried, and now he's risen as a human being. Buried. Risen as a human. He was crucified as a human. Buried as a human and risen as a human. Jesus of Nazareth, he's not here. You're looking for him, but he's not here. He isn't here. This is a place set aside for dead things. He's not here. Do you know what? As a believer, it's okay to have dead things in your life. It's okay to have dead places in your life. All right? But you should know that the tomb has an echo. And the tomb, the Jesus' tomb, was empty and there was nothing worthwhile in it. In any dead places that you have in your life, if you follow Jesus, there's nothing worthwhile in them. There's no life in them. Those things that draw us away from a relationship with God, ultimately, they're dead. And the only thing that really matters is your heart and God's heart being friends. That's pretty much boiled down. That's the Ian Gospel. The angel says, don't be alarmed. Jesus was crucified. He isn't here anymore. He's risen from the dead. He's risen from the dead. I'm not good at maths, right? We talked about that earlier. I'm also not that good at English. I still haven't mastered the two T-O and the T. Double O, like, just try, teach me, but I'll never, I'll probably still get it wrong on text messages. I love the word also, because also just it fits, instead of whatever the two is. English is not my forte. But when I read this, I see, and in every translation I can find this, it says that the angel says, the words that come out of the angel's mouth are, he is not here, right? He is risen from the dead, or he has risen from the dead, or he he." is risen from the dead. It's not he has risen from death. It's not that he has risen from being dead. He's risen from the dead. Death is a part of life. Death is a reality, right? But Jesus has risen from the dead. So the dead has no power over the person who believes in Jesus. He went to the dead place. It's a place. He's risen from the dead, right? It's a place that Jesus went to. For you and for me, so that we don't have to be there. It's beautiful because when you die, you don't go to the dead place as a believer. 
like everyone on earth thinks that you do because they can't talk with you and you're dead. But you're not in the dead as a believer. You're in his presence. It's beautiful that the angel says these words in the tomb at the women. He is risen from the dead. And so to top it off, they say, look, see for yourself. This is where his body was. This is where they laid his body. They say, experience it firsthand for yourself. Nobody is in this place. The tomb has an echo. It's an echo that's been reverberating through history. The angel's words are still the same every single Easter time. We get to get around to it. Our God has robbed the grave and he left the door open so we could see that. So we could go in and see for ourselves. He left the door open so we could go in and see that death no longer has mastery over the believer. You know, when Jesus met with Mary in the garden and the other disciples, all he was after was for them to believe. We just need to see for ourselves and believe. The tomb has an echo. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, or 17 actually, Jesus meets up with one of his disciples, John, on the island of Patmos. John is in a dead place. He is in prison. And it's inevitable that this man will die in prison for being a believer of Jesus. He's in a dead place, but he's not in a dead place. It says in verse 17 of Revelation chapter 1, this is Jesus. Um, this is John's account of, of meeting with Jesus. John says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. That's beautiful because not only did Jesus leave the door open, as a dad, my half my life is probably shutting doors and turning off lights and picking up after people and telling them that I love them. But like Jesus leaves the door open, right? Mary probably didn't drag him up right. I'm not sure. That's not the point. It's not a joke. He left the door open so we can see in that the dead place has no, it's, not, it's got no power. There's no place. And in fact, he's got the keys to death. And Hades. Jesus has got the keys. Jesus isn't like you and me. He doesn't lose his keys. He has the keys, right? He still has the keys to death and Hades. So there's no need for any of us to be afraid of death. I'm not afraid of death. Bring it. I mean, not right now. Hey, Josh. Not right now. But I'm not afraid of death. Copyright. <laughs> Jesus has the keys to death and Hades. The tomb has an echo, and the echo reverberates out to the world around us. There's hope. There's hope for the dead places. There's hope for the dead opportunities. There's hope for the dead relationships. There's hope for the dead dreams and plans. I mean, you know, as long as they're not evil ones, you know, if they're good ones, there's hope. So don't be alarmed. You can't be locked into a dead end if you believe in Jesus. The tomb has an echo, 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 echo. 
and it's reverberated ever since. Don't be alarmed, he is risen. Jesus has no use for it anymore. He's finished with the grave. He's finished with the cross. We have the cross as a reminder. There's one. There's one. Where's another one? There's got to be some more around. There's one. Someone might have one around the next. We have them as a reminder that Jesus is finished with it. He's done with it. The tomb was a place that Jesus used for a couple of days. He's done with it. It's empty. The dead places finished with for those who follow Jesus. Jesus said to each of his disciples, follow me. And he meant it. Like not just up to the cross. He meant it like till now. Follow me. Follow me in my life. Follow me in my death. Follow me in my burial. Follow me in my resurrection. Follow me. Live that abundant life. Trust Jesus. He is the living one. Tell the dead places in your life who Jesus is, who he really is. He is large and in charge. He is seated on the throne. He is at the right hand of God, the Father, and one day will come back to judge between the living and the dead. He is above all things. And, and in fact, all things will one day bow the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And I love this little verse in 1 John 4, 17 that says, As he is, so are we in this world. We just simply believe. We follow Jesus. I mean, we're not God, but we have the same things as an inheritance from God through Jesus. In Colossians, Paul writes to the church in Colossians to get them to think the right way. And I want to read to you some words. Colossians chapter 3. If you've got it in your Bibles, you need to highlight the first three verses of Colossians chapter 3. If it's someone else's Bible, just do it for them as well. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Use your head, right? Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Verse 3, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. The tomb has an echo. The tomb has an echo. Don't be alarmed. He's not here. He has risen. He is a human being and he has risen. The first fruit of a new kind. And all we have to do is believe that the tomb has an echo. And those words are still true today. He's not here. He is risen. What else does the angel say in verse 7? Now go tell. Go tell the disciples and Peter. It's beautiful because like Peter's a disciple, right? But Peter is racked with guilt and shame and self-condemnation. Why? Because he just disowned Jesus. He denied Christ before Jesus was arrested. Uh, when Jesus was arrested and before he was crucified, and Peter, no doubt, was just putting himself down and needed hope. There are people around you, just like that. They feel like they've let God down, or others down, or themselves down, and they're in a dead place, 
and they need someone to come along and just repeat the echo. Bring hope. Hope is alive. Jesus is alive. Do you hear the echo? When you're in those dead places in life, when you're in that self-doubt or self-condemnation, or when you feel guilty, like you've messed up, and you don't deserve to be a disciple of Jesus. Can you hear the echo then? Come back to the tomb. Have a listen to what the angel says. There's hope. I want to finish up with John chapter 20. Because Mark, we're going through a series in Mark, but Mark doesn't pick up on something else that the tomb echoes. Not only is Jesus not in the tomb, but there's a special message that John brings us in Mark, sorry, in John chapter 20 and verse, uh, let's go from verse 1. Let's just read John's account from verse 1. I'll finish at verse 7. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. That's John. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went into the dead place. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying in there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Now, I've spoken about this before in another message, but this is a beautiful image that delivers a message that only someone of that cultural background can understand, like Peter. When Peter walked into that tomb, John standing outside, Peter walked in and he saw grave clothes empty and a folded up napkin where Jesus' head was. And to Peter, that spoke about how Jesus is going to come back. You see, at a meal, when you share it with friends or a, or a notable person was there and they needed to go to relieve themselves or go out and talk to somebody, but they still hadn't finished their meal or they still wanted their place at the table, they would fold up their napkin and leave it where they were sitting, folded neatly, to show the servants that they were coming back. And the tomb still has an echo. Don't be alarmed. He is risen. He's not here anymore. He's got no use for the tomb. He's risen. This human Jesus, God, man, has risen from the dead. And he's going ahead of you. You just follow him. <laughs> but he's coming back. One day he's coming back. He's not done. He's not done with salvation. He's not done with you or me. He's coming back. The tomb has an echo. The echo of that tomb will stop the day Jesus comes back. Wander in while it's still there and see for yourself. He is not in there. Why would he be? It's a dead place. He's alive. He's able to bring your dead places to life as well. He can resurrect because that's what he is. 
Don't be afraid. He is risen. And he'll be back for those who believe in him. I don't know about you, but sometimes there can be dead places that creep up on me. Maybe memories from the past that you still wish you had gotten rid of. The things you did or the things you said which you wish you didn't do, you wish you didn't say, but you've done them. Don't let those things speak louder to you and your heart than the echo of the tomb. Can you hear the tomb echo? I hope so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that you sent him. We thank you that he lived a perfect life in our place because you know we don't. We thank you that he gave up his life on the cross and took the punishment that we deserve. We thank you, Jesus, that you became sin for us and you took away the power and the penalty of sin on the cross. You crucified it. You were buried in our place. You died in our place. Your heart stopped beating. Your blood ran out and you were dead. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't stay dead because you were holy. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose again. And not only that you rose again, but you left the tomb open. You left the stone rolled away so that it can still echo the message that the angel declares, even today, that there's hope for the world. The death doesn't need to be the last final word. That you have overcome death simply by rising again. And Jesus, that's why we celebrate today. That we worship you for that. You are worthy of all praise because you are alive. You're risen. You're worthy of all of our adoration, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that each one of us, God, as we, Lord, as we, as we live our lives, that not only will we listen to the echo of the tomb and, and not walk in self-condemnation, but we'll walk in freedom, but also, Lord, that we would overflow and leak with that message of hope to the world, that we would go and tell people, those like Peter, that you came and you rescued them, that you've saved them, and that you can you promise them eternal life if they just believe in you, and they can have life and meaning and purpose. Lord, I pray that you would fill us all with your Holy Spirit, enable us to, to, to go and live and work for your praise and glory. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Amen.